0: Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox, The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello and welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple, and today I have a very special guest. And as I say to her, as we begin the show, I say, very rarely do I get nervous, but I did with this gal. And I wonder why. I think because she's such an iconic figure in the author landscape. Who other than Faye Kellerman and her book, The Hunt. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, and please be patient with the sound of, uh, we have a couple of sound issues that uh, were not fixable but i was so intrigued and so looking forward to speaking with Faye that we just barreled through so be patient with the sound and be ready for some great insight from a prolific talent the one and only Faye kellerman right here on the thriller zone what an honor to meet you uh,
1: thank you david it's very i'm very glad to be on here it's- this is going
0: to be fun. Yeah, I'll tell you, very rarely do I get uh, nervous having done this my whole life. But I, I'll have to say I had a little bit of butterflies. I'm like, it's Faye Kellerman, for God's sakes. Oh, ah. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about we're going to jump right into the hunt in just a couple minutes. But I always like to get to know my author's face. So if we can just chat a little bit, that would be spectacular. I know we've got about an hour or in change a little less. Yeah. So, um, I love hearing the backstory of, uh, mega talent, such as yourself. And the very first thing, so excuse me if a couple of these things you've heard before, but the very first thing that caught my eye was like, man, how does someone who uh, starts off with like a college degree in mathematics and then dentistry, take that career, which could have been equally as prolific and shift and go writing books. Is it something that just lived inside of you forever?
1: Uh, the imagination lived inside of me forever, since I was five. The earliest I can remember, I was always making up stories. But I thought it was just that, just having fun and making up stories, and I, I wasn't going to do anything with it. Um, you might want to know, um, I switched from anything in literature and English to math, because I was always very good in math, and I, I'm i dyslexic. Um it's not a problem now. I'm phonetically dyslexic. It's hard for me to learn how to read by um, sounding out words. So I have to just kind of memorize the words. Once I memorize the words, I'm, you can see I'm a writer. I'm pretty fluent. But <laughs> until that point, um, English was not my forte, but math was. I've always been an extremely organized person. Um, which you have to be in math. And you also have to be that in dentistry. You can't go to the dentist and have him start, you know, fiddling around or looking at his tools or her tools. So um, both of the different aspects of my mind have served me well.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine going to the dentist and having that dentist go, Oh, well, which tool should I use? What do you think? <laughs>
1: Or just opening the drawer and going, oh, no, this doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah, it, it just doesn't work. So I, I, I've always loved math and I've always loved making up stories. I'm also a uh, musical. So all those kind of arts, it's kind of an art science thing, kind of uh, just depending on which one I chose to concentrate on. Music it was always just a hobby. I started out as a violin player. Was terrible at the violin. It's absolutely awful. So I switched to a guitar, which I taught myself. And then I discovered mandolin, which has the same keyboard um, or fretboard as, um, or fingerboard as a violin. So I, I learned how to play that. And that was really easy. But that has always been a hobby. Um, science and uh, writing have always been something that have coexisted inside of me. And as I said, they served me well. I mean, dentistry, um, you it, it doesn't seem likely for a mystery writer, but you learn all about anatomy and you learn all about how the human body works. So any drawings and stuff like that. So sure. that always goes in very well in the thriller novels.
0: Man, going back to the violin, uh, I think my parents when I was a kid handed me one. I said, Here learn this. And I'm like <laughs> Are you high? And yeah. I tried it just a couple of times. That is one of the hardest instruments ever. So kudos to anyone who learns it.
1: Yeah, I lo- I, I learned the notes really well, um, but I, I know how to read music. But, oh, I was awful. And you'll ask my husband, oh, she wasn't that bad. But then I go, yes. <laughs> but it, it, it taught me also discipline. And people ask, where do you get ideas from your novels? and it's not getting the ideas that's hard it's the discipline in turning an all, um, a full fledged idea into a uh, you know 300 page book that's
0: what's difficult sure i semi pride myself on never being the person that asks that question faye because so many people ro- would you know in the early days roll their eyes and like really if you have half of an imagination and you're awake you- the ideas are all around you right But it is, it is interesting that you make that point because that is what I have found over the years. Discipline, it's like people who quit quickly or easily. I'm like, well, anybody can do that. But what it takes to discipline yourself, to sit down and commit to something, especially something as somewhat esoteric and uh, creative as writing that, you know, you're the judge and the jury the entire road, you know what I mean?
1: You're the judge, you're the jury, and you have to have a lot of patience because you don't write a book in a day or a week. It's, you know, it it takes time. Yeah. You have to be in the moment, but you have to kind of be in the future as well. And so, uh, you know, I am dogged when I start something, whatever it is, I like to finish that's not to say I haven't given up at points where it's just not working, but mostly I'm very dogged at what I, whatever I do.
0: Well, uh, my, that brings up my next point. I mean, 22 years ago this summer, if my math serves me, that you started uh, Peter Decker and uh, uh, Rhino uh, Lazarus. So I'm thinking to myself, 22 years, if you were to tell someone today, oh, uh, you know, Plan on spending maybe a decade before you can really start being super confident or, you know, there's that 10,000 hour rule, that 10 year rule in Hollywood.
1: Actually, The Ritual Bath, which was the first Peter and Rena book came out, and I hate to say this, 1986, because it gives my age away. So I've been writing this series for 35 years.
0: Whoa, my see, see, this is why I should have turned to you for the math because I've always been bad at it.
1: No, I started in uh, the Ritual Bath was published in 1986. Um, you know, I started actually writing. I mean, we can talk about this a little bit during the interview. Um, earlier than that, um, Jonathan, of course, was a big influence on me and I saw him writing and he was very encouraging so like every writer your first novel is never your first novel in your first novel you
0: never know what your first novel is sure oh inside scoop we are inside the interview right now (laughs) oh okay (laughs) yeah yeah
1: so your first novel uh like I said you never know what your first published novel is so when I was writing the ritual bath I started out with Rina, this religious Jewish widow, but I didn't want her solving this, the crime. So I brought a detective in and I made him divorced. And uh, then I had two single people. So I throw it, threw in a romance and threw in a lot of history and um, what it was to uh, culture and religion, hoping to get somebody's attention. So that's what you do with it. first novel. You put a lot of it in, hoping that some editor will go, well, this is interesting. This may not be so interesting, but this is really interesting. And it caught, thank God. And, and it wasn't written as a big novel, my first novel. I think they published uh, 1,700 hardcovers, which is not a lot of hardcovers. And I think it, it wound up with about thousand books being sold but it had a new life in paperback which was what they did and way back when in 1986 even if you weren't the smash success that everybody wants they had patience with you so if they had patience with me I was going to have patience with myself and they invited me for not a lot of money at all to try a second book and I like these characters. I said, I can write a second book with these characters. And that's what happened.
0: And what, are we at 27 now of that particular duo?
1: That I don't know. I think yeah. it's uh, it, it, between 25 and 30, something yeah. like that. I've written quite a few standalones, but at twenty, we can call it 27. It sounds yeah.
0: appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and Faye, when you've written that many and you can't keep count, that kind of says it all, doesn't it?
1: It's wonderful. Um,
0: yeah. I,
1: I This is really funny because you work so hard on giving a good plot and your outline and you try to make it realistic and you try to play fair. And what people really remember are, you know, Rena Lazarus and Peter Decker and the other characters oh, that was the book where that you had the priest that died, or that was the book where you went into the country and there was a missing tiger or something like that. They, they remember the characters way more than they remember the individual plots. Although one ta- once in a while you get a really good plot and people remember.
0: You know, you just made a comment a second ago about patience. And do you find these few years later, we're going to use the word few because it sounds so much gentler and kinder. Um, these few years later, <laughs> do you find that that patience that you had when you started feels like it barely exists today? Or do you feel like because of perhaps your stature that, yeah, I get the same patience because I look at it, the world, it's moving way faster, way more complicated. Everybody seems to be competing for the same thing. I mean, how how does that hit for you?
1: Um, I'm uh, a much more patient person. And luckily, the uh, publishing industry is a much slower run industry. And as I said, back when, they had a lot more patience for you. The one thing with all these conglomerations, you know, all these mergers, There used to be maybe 25 independent publishers, now there's basically seven big ones, or five big ones and they're they're still going. It's harder and harder for a young novelist to get into the industry per se. On the other hand, there's a lot more outlets and smaller things on the internet. So it's just one half a dozen of the other. Uh, Writing a book, it takes a lot of time and a lot of thought. It's not like writing a script. It's not like uh, things that uh, your other entertainment dollar goes towards, like uh, cable TV, not even movies anymore. It used to be uh, going to a movie was an event. Yeah. Um, They had these beautiful movie screens, and everybody would enjoy it. And you know when you do comedy, it's always better in an audience. But people just stay at home, I'm guilty of it too, and and, and wait for the movies to come to TV. Or they just have a lot of original movies. So there's just a lot of uh, division for your entertainment dollar. And um, book readers and people who love books tend to be a slower-paced kind of um, cerebral... Uh, activity sure you can't rush through a book the way you rush you know because you take your time with it you decide the pace whereas a movie or anything else just comes at you
0: and you know when we go back to uh those early years did you ever in your wildest dreams when you started out did you ha- did you have the foresight the gut instinct the intuition whatever you want to call it that said you know what i i I know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a success at this. Or did you go, man, I had no idea it was ever going to do this?
1: No idea. No idea whatsoever. I went book to book to book. And as I said, I started out as a very small book. And, you know, the, the, my fans are great. Fans are great. Yeah. You can't exist without. I, I would never have a career if it wasn't for my fans. I was patient, they were patient, they waited each year, and they bought the book, and slowly but surely, the world got around. I didn't have my first bestseller until Justice, which I think was number seven or eight. It took a while, and but I didn't care because I loved, of course, everybody wants to make money and blah, 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 yeah. but... I really enjoyed the process of writing. I really enjoyed the fact that I could call myself a writer because my books got published. It wasn't until way, way later that I, I thought of myself as a person, um, a, a, an author who people maybe have heard of. It, 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 was, a, it was a slow climb, but I didn't care because you know, the journey was as fun as the um, success
0: Sure. Well, and and that's the, in my opinion, the sign of a true artist. When you're really enjoying the journey, and I've always found this true in pretty much every aspect of life, if you're really in the flow and in the joy of it, Goodness will always come. It's I I think it's sometimes when you fight against it or worry about it or neurose that you won't make the money or the people won't like you. That almost queers the deal or, you know, uh, gets funks up the mojo and just gets in your way. Whereas if you're just like, okay, I love doing this and you stay centered in that. Don't you agree?
1: Absolutely. Uh, You cannot write with an idea of an audience in mind. You have to really be excited of whatever you do. you have to be excited about it. And I was lucky enough to be uh, to really enjoy, as I said, the journey. It was something that was fun for me to sit and make up ideas. And then the mathematical part of how to take these abstract ideas and integrate them into a full fledged novel that has a flow to it. And then even with the editing of a novel, it's it's a wonderful thing because then you have the body of the work and then you refine to it. So it even flows even better and you take care of um, the little gaps that don't flow nicely. So I kind of like every part of writing a novel from the inception to the beginning, to the copy editing sometimes, uh, the copy editings are very meticulous and they point out stuff because you always forget things or you get your days mixed up when you're writing a novel because the novel usually takes place within two two months anywhere from two weeks to two months but you're writing it within six months to a year so the beginning you don't always remember as much as the end and the beginning never matches the end right and you have to uh, kind of uh, say, well, what did I want to do? Does this scene that I started goes nowhere? This scene went somewhere, but it's not built up enough in the front. So you go back and and refine. So I, I've always liked the process of writing, and that's what made it a career, not not the actual. The fact that I get paid for it is nice because nobody likes to work and not get paid. But uh, it has been a wonderful
0: job for me. Your host, David Temple here. Hey, before we get back to the show, I thought I would throw in this one quick note. I have had authors approach me who want to actually advertise on the show. And I'm like, that's cool. I love that idea. I mean, think about it. We feature the best thriller writers in the world, You're one of the new up-and-coming thriller writers in the world to be, and you have a book coming out. Our rates are super reasonable, (laughs) we're easy to work with, as you know, and we all want to work together to make success for all of us. Just reach out to us here at Zone at thethrillerzone at gmail.com. Let's talk rates. Let's talk details. Let's do something together in the new year. I think you'll like it. Now, back to the show. I have to ask this question, and I, you're probably much too modest to answer it, but I always, I love to know the secret sauce. I mean, I look at your career and I look at the, I think of newsstands that I've passed over the years, and there's always a fake Kellerman near the top, and I'm like, man, what is her secret sauce? Do you, if if Can you think of what that magical, magical, that seems a little silly, but that 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 something that's very unique to you
1: well we all have voices okay what you have to do when you are a writer is find your unique voice and that takes a while. that takes a while that's why a, a, a first published book is never is usually not the first book you've ever read written because it takes a while to find the communication between author and reader that the reader picks up a book and says, oh, yes, this seems like Ray Kellerman's for This seems like Peter Decker is talking. Rena Lazarus is talking to me. Um, I don't have a magic bullet. What I found that my fans have come back is they like Peter and Rena. They find them very relatable. They find, yes, they love the plots, and I worked as I said, I worked really hard on on doing a thriller plot, but they love the characters, the way they talk to each other, the way they talk to everybody else, and uh, their family life. Uh, Peter and Rena have, um, you know, they started out as two individuals. He had one child, she had two child, uh, two children. Since then, they had their own child, so they had a blended family four child, the children, and then they had a then they took in a foster child. So they had five kids um, uh, There's a lot of uh, diversity within their own family. Um, Decker's daughter married an Ethiopian Jew. Uh, You know, somebody else married this person. So they have a big family. And I think people like that. They like the different characters. And it was good for me because I could pull this character in or pull that character in whenever I felt like it. And... um, do something with them. Sure. You with know, Decker's daughter, a couple, and then the latest one it involves their stepson, his biological parents. So, you know, it was it was a fun thing to do.
0: You know, and speaking of family, I don't know, uh, I, I can't think of a whole lot of authors who have so much family, so much writing in the family. I mean, your husband, Jonathan, uh, I think your daughter, Eliza, has written, uh, mm-hmm. your son, Jesse's written, mm-hmm. that leaves two more children. Are they involved in writing or creative process at all?
1: Um, John uh, was trained as a PhD psychologist, yeah. and we are both writers, so... Uh, Jesse, who's the oldest, is uh, a novelist. And my daughter, Aliza, um, I wrote a novel with her, and she's still writing novels. So, uh, And she's very talented. The two middle ones are PhD psychologists. So, uh, you know, we have the psychology aspect, and then we have the writing aspect. All my kids um, can write, because um, when I read their uh, PhD dissertations, I said, this is really simple and really, really well written. It was complicated subjects, but if you paid attention, you could really understand what they were saying. So I, am very, um, I admire my children very much and I think they've done what they wanted to do. And that's great.
0: Yeah. Boy, I would love to be a fly on the wall. at say like a Thanksgiving, uh, or holiday <laughs> dinner and hear the, uh, the brain trust, the brain power in that room. And that would be fascinating to me.
1: Um, they're all married. And what's really wonderful about my kids and their spouses is they have the best senses of humor. Then I just sit back and laugh. There's a lot of laughter going on. And um, there's a 14-year-old difference between my eldest son, Jesse, and and Eliza, the youngest of the, the two writers. But everybody gets along. You know, I wouldn't want to cram them all in a little cabin for six months. We'd probably wind up eating each other. But... <sighs> <laughs> for, for the holidays and everything like that, um, all the they all have children, so they all it, it's it's a big family up there. And I try to instill that in my characters of Peter and Rita. And like I said, I think my fans just can relate. Um, they're they're just they're just folk. Yeah, and they say things and they have issues and people have they still do laundry has to be done and and people have to do homework and all that kind of stuff as they were growing up and they've since grown. So that's another thing I think they like, they like to see the progression of what happens with the family as well.
0: Sure. As well, it's funny. I, I read on your website where you, uh, one of your favorite pastimes is smiling, which I don't think I've ever heard that before. And, and I, I get the sense with, you know, when you got a gaggle of kids and, uh, that much, uh, I IP at the table and, and, and growing up, it's, it's always we. I'm a, from a family of uh, four kids, and there's wow. there's That's always awesome. drama. There is very seldom ever boredom.
1: <laughs> yeah, no it's it's been it's been drama since day one. Things are easier now because they are all grown and they all have families of their own. So when your kids come to you and they're younger and they have these problems, especially when they're away at college and they dump all this garbage on you, and then they hang up and they're fine and you you're left with a sleepless night. So I finally learned at at the advanced age that I am to listen to it, to be sympathetic. but when the phone hangs up, that's it. i I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere else. Um, and usually it's just John and I in in the family house, and uh, it, it's it's quiet. And we like it that way. Yeah. We, have a lot of, we also have a lot of pets. We have a dog. We have turtles. We have fish. And we have birds. You know, so uh, there's always something to take care of. And it, it's fun to nurture pets because they don't have any issues. People <laughs> come back with issues with you. So
0: Yeah. That's and fun. rarely talk back, right?
1: <laughs> rarely, rarely. And if they do, I don't understand them anymore. Anyway. Right. Why try.
0: Yeah. Well, let's get to the the book the hunt now. First of all, I'm anybody who knows me knows I'm a cover lover and I love your cover. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Reminds me of the English Maze Gardens of wherever, but man, that's good. And um so I want to say this. So Detective Decker wife, Ruth, they're uh, in LA. Now I don't want to go too deep because I just want to simply say they're investigating the kidnapping. And what do you think your Faye fans will love most about the book? Let's say that that way we can save all the juice for the inside.
1: Um, I real, this was always the book that I, I, it's not that I finished the series, but I am taking a hiatus and this was the book that I wanted to take the hiatus with. I had this in my mind forever and ever because um, Gabe Whitman's uh, biological parents, uh, Chris Donati and uh, Teresa McLaughlin, have been fan favorites for a while since they were first um, introduced in Justice. And I've weaved them into uh, Decker and Rina's life for a long time. So. The book has to do with missing people. And the first one is um, kind of a a holdover from Lost Boys, which is my previous novel, where involved uh, literally Lost Boys, but the long arc story was a developmentally disabled uh, man who disappeared and what happened around him. So that gets resolved in the hunt. So Peter's looking into what happened to him, it starts out with a body in the forest. Who is this body? Is it developmentally disabled man? Does it have something to do with the case? Because it all takes place in the same area as the lost Voice did. The um, first, like, six or seven chapters have to do uh, with something totally different. Uh, a boy has been kidnapped. Um, it's uh, Gabe uh, Whitman's uh, half-brother. His mother and his half-sister uh, managed to escape, but not without her, his mother getting beaten very, very badly to the point where she's, you know, she's almost dead. And he is 3,000 miles away in New York. She is in Los Angeles. Uh, he has no one to call. She refuses to call the police because there's implications that she took the children illegally. And so he calls his uh, father, which is her former husband, and he comes in and kind of rescues you. So they start this very bizarre relationship. And it was very fun for me to do because Decker and Rena have always had a very functional uh, working relationship. They care about each other. They love each other. They listen to each other. It's the kind of marriage that you know, you would want, it's not like they're not without their problems, but they're mature adults and they manage to um, go through life uh, being a partnership. Uh, Terry and Chris, on the other hand, are very, very, very dysfunctional. And as an author, you always love to write about the dysfunctional people because they're the most fun. And they have this extremely bizarre relationship Sexual relationship that's bizarre, emotional relationship that's bizarre, and how that resolves around this little kidnapped boy is is part of their story. And then, of course, because I have two disparate stories, you have to bring them together. And I'm hoping I did that well at the very end.
0: You did. And here's my question. So you're, you're talking about taking a hiatus. Now, are you going off the reservation, so to speak, and doing something completely different? Or are you simply taking a hiatus?
1: I am really taking a sabbatical. For gotcha. a while. It's not that I don't have ideas. I do, but I need to recharge my battery and I need to recharge my uh, characters in a way, um, whether I'll come back with something. I don't know, but it has to be something really special. Um, Although they still talk to me, you know, your characters talk to you. They they are live people, Peter and Rita. And they said, well, you started and you put us um, in different situations at the very end of this book, but we can do something with this, you know, just, just be open-minded faith. Talk to me. And I said, okay, I'll be open-minded. You bring the ideas to me, Peter and Rena, and then I'll see what I can do for them.
0: <laughs> I love that. And you know what? I you make a really good point. I think and and my wife, Tammy, accuses me of this every once in a while when I get all wound up on something. I'm working on a character. She goes, take a breath. What's the rush? You know, I, am I'm, I'm from that career and that mindset of go, 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 and don't take any breaks and work all through the holidays and just go is, and, and, and it is, uh, it, it lacks benefit after a while because you can burn yourself out.
1: You do. Um, luckily I went traditional gym and even if I didn't want to take a break, I have set things where I have to take a break every week the saturday which is our sabbath i don't work on that that day um then they have the uh individual big holidays like um you know the jewish new year's rosh hashanah and then passover and then there's two others in between that are lesser known but is equally important for Judaism. so i've been forced to take breaks um but it's very important to recharge the motor. It's very important. I love traveling. John travels, you know, we travel a lot, not a lot, but we've traveled over the years to many different places and it's very nourishing because it's a different environment. It's many times a different language. So your brain starts working Uh, and in different environments and different cultures and everything, Certain ideas. Oh, they do it this way. That's interesting. Maybe I'll bring that into this. Oh, but he's an interesting character. Maybe I'll bring so each individual um time where you do recharge really helps you in the long run.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And, and there is something magical uh about just getting away and changing your environment. Just even if it's for a weekend, boy, I can see a, a mind shift happening. As we uh, get to kind of start winding down, I, I was thinking about you and I thought, what would be, if, if Faye could go back in time and talk to her uh, younger self, what would she, and I'm I'm saying this as though you're not sitting there, I'm talking to you, but what would you say to your younger self? Like things to look out for or perhaps career advice. Um, I don't know if
1: I'd give myself any career advice because everything was certain things that didn't pan out the way I thought to happen for the best but what I would tell myself and what I tell my children is I know it seems like a big deal Look, hopefully life is long. don't worry about it and, and don't globalize. I mean try to see yourself out of this issue by doing a step-by-step approach rather than think, oh, this is too terrible. And what if this happens? and what? It may happen. The what if may happen, but you don't know if it's going to happen. And even people say, well, I worry to prepare. It never prepares you. Never, ever, ever. It, it, it's, if the worst happens, it still hits you, and you're still upset about it. So just kind of think in the moment. And that's good idea when you're writing because when you're right you have to be in the moment you have to be in the flow that's all you have you can't start thinking about well what happens if I don't resolve this no you're you're in that chapter right now you're in the five pages right now just concentrate on that and I think that's how Peter solves his crimes he doesn't try to look at the end before going through the process It's, it's all about the journey and and no doubt about it. You want a happy ending. Uh, you want a happy ending in life. You want a happy ending. And, and, and things you want things to work out. But sometimes when they don't work out, it's okay too. You know, yeah. as I always say, you learn way more from your failures than you do from your successes. Because your failures, you're always going back and analyzing. And so I would tell my younger Faye, who had quite a bit of failures, uh, don't worry about it. Analyze why you consider this a
0: failure, and then try to move on from your life because dwelling in the past is not good. Kind of yeah, uh, yeah. My, my mother, who's passed, she used to say, "Don't bar, you know, uh, don't borrow tr- tomorrow's troubles today. Right. They, exactly. They've got a, they got enough problems of their own. Just <laughs> stick with today." Exactly. Well. And you have teed me up for my favorite question. I always wrap most of my shows with this, especially with prolific authors as yourself. And I always try to find out, oh man, because so many up and coming writers listen to my show, what's that single best, and it doesn't have to be one, it could be two, single best piece of writing advice as maybe a listener is embarking on a career. What would be yours, Faye? Have
1: patience and be uh, tenacious. You know, don't give up. Because writing is a thing that requires a lot of patience, and keep writing, and of course keep reading. Yeah, you have to read.
0: Is it Stephen King that always gets the credit for this? If if you're not if you're not reading, you'll never be a good writer, or something to that effect, right?
1: You have to read. Um, when I actively write, I don't read a lot of fiction, but I'm always reading a lot of nonfiction. The reason I don't read a lot of fiction is because you don't want to inadvertently steal from somebody else. But uh, you have to read. You have to read. Your mind has to be active. Writing is an active, it is not a passive endeavor. It's an active endeavor, and it requires you to get a certain amount of uh, fluency with language and with style. And you, you, you only get that by reading.
0: Absolutely. Well, folks, if you are a Faye Kellerman fan, as I know you are, you're going to want to read this one, The Hunt. It's available right now, and it's a heck of a read. And I noticed something, Faye, you have nearly 500 reviews, and you've only been out for a week. So people are loving the book.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you to my fans. I love you. (laughs)
0: Yes, and also learn more at faykellerman.net But Faye, you have been delightful. I thank you so much for the honor of your time. This thank was you. a treasure.
1: Thank you so much, David. It was a pleasure being here and it was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Yeah, that would have to be pretty easily the highlight of my week. Talking to Faye Kellerman, the book, The Hunt. What a gracious gal, what a talent. Now, coming up on next week's show, I've got a compilation of artists. A consortium of talents, if you will. Uh, do you not recognize these names? Andrew Child, Heather Graham, Rick Blywise, John Gilstrap, reid Coleman, Don Bruns, Amanda Flower, Jennifer Dornbush. Yeah, they're all part of Hotel California. Do you like the Eagles? One of the greatest bands of all time. Rock in the 70s. Well, you'll know the album hotel california well these guys have come guys and gals have come together to write short stories in this compilation and i cannot wait to share it with you oh boy i'm also going to do a little something extra here i'm going to give you an inside scoop of what's coming up later in the month another book i thoroughly enjoyed david pepper wrote a book called a simple choice wonderful ven- interview Fantastic book, great accolades. Another guy on my radar, this guy is a monster talent. Anybody who knows thriller writing knows Adam Hamdy. Adam was one of my very first guests when I started the show almost a little over a year ago. And this is his latest, The Other Side of Night. Have not, just getting ready to crack it. But boy, everybody is talking about this. He's coming up this month. And another all-time favorite, this guy is a hoot and a have to talk to. J. Todd Scott has written a book called The Flock. Check out that cover. These are just some of the talents awaiting you this month on the Thriller Zone. One last awesome thing. You've probably seen on our social media that we have something coming up this weekend, which is our top 10 summer reads. Now, it started out as top 10, but I have so many good ones that I had to move it to uh, Baker's Dozen. So it's going to be the top 13. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not going to be able to get these newest books in there because I just don't have the time. And I, I would like to actually celebrate the holidays with my family. I'm your host, David Temple. I thank you so much for joining me. We'll see you again for another edition of The Thriller Zone.